For nearly 20 years, Love Honey has been the sexual happiness people, working to make a fun, fulfilling sex life available to anyone. Don't just take our word for it. With nearly 70 awards to their name, there's a reason Love Honey's customers come back time and time again. It doesn't matter what your experience, orientation, spice level, gender, or size is. Love Honey has what you need to feel and be sexy. Their in-house design teams work closely with customers to create the toys, sexy outfits, and accessories you need for mind-blowing fun, whether you're riding solo, a, or playing with a partner. Personally, I feel most sexy when I get naked and look at myself in the mirror, because that's all I need, myself. We're super excited to be teaming up with Love Honey to give you 10% off your next purchase. Just click the link in the episode description to claim your exclusive discount. Welcome to the very first episode of Sufficiently Black. This is a podcast that explores what it means to be comfortable in your blackness. And I am one of your co-hosts, Kia Swin, and I'm here with... You're on mute. Amari Pollard. Muted. Sorry, guys. I don't know. I'm just going to... It's episode one, and we're off to a great start. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's a wonderful day. <laughs> and Janae Price. Wow. Okay. This is this is what you're gonna get with sufficiently black guys. Okay. Um. Yeah. Hey guys. We used to be, you know, so-called Oreos, and now we're back. You can tell that we're professionals. We're sufficiently black. Um. And yeah, we just did this rebrand because, well, partially legal reasons and partially because the brand has evolved. So now you're rocking with us with sufficiently black, and that means we changed our socials. You can find us at sufficiently blk on instagram and twitter and you can hang out with us in discord which you can find in our episode notes and yeah is there anything else you guys want to say about the rebrand the new season i do want to say full disclaimer for all of you guys listening this is our second time recording this episode sir we're trying to, you know, pull out the energy and all the stuff, but we just started using a really good new platform that will hopefully give us clear audio and clear video for our YouTube channel. So that's something with the rebrand, but <laughs> new things, new times, learning curve. <laughs> so, yeah. But you know what? I was thinking, and I thought it was pretty awesome how this is like episode, say, like without our like playbacks, episode like 55. Mm -hmm. And I think it's pretty awesome that we only had to re record once. Yeah. That's pretty significant. Yeah. And all the times, because I've been doing, I've been doing voiceover work for my job. And I've done, I have not done 55 recordings. I've done a lot of recordings, but I have not done 55. And I've had to record things a few times because of tech issues. So that is a really good track record, I will say. Yeah, I'm saying it's not, it's like, it sucks, but it's not like, it's like, it's bound to happen once out of like 50 times. And I hear like the bitch Bible and she always talks about how she never pushed record and she has been doing it for seven years. So <laughs> Jesus saying. Christ. That's terrible. That's I know, terrible. Right? But this is that's her only job, so she can afford to do that. She literally does yeah. nothing else. Um, um should we move on to our updates? Yes. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so I think you guys were here when I moved into a new apartment, but I'm going to say it again. I moved into a new apartment and it's in a different state. <laughs> Not really. I mean, I'm in New Jersey. That's new- a different state. Jersey City is New York City, though. Nah. We, we different. When, once they lump it all together, it's still it's still in the same It's still realm. in the same realm. Um, I also got a promotion. Um, so I'm a writer now, a news writer. Um, and I also have been doing voiceover work, but I'm doing more voiceover work for my job. You know, doing that whole one job, but two jobs maybe even three jobs thing Yay. can you give us a little preview can you give us a little preview on here i mean i've heard it but like i want to get here a little preview i feel like they've heard it too because i feel like consistently out of all of us janae makes the most variations with her voice throughout all of our recordings you know what's hilarious is that i didn't realize that i did that shit until becoming an adult and like not like being out and about I remember some guy I was seeing for a small amount of time was like, you know, you do that a lot. And he was like mimicking my voice. And I was like, wow, I didn't I didn't realize that I do that, that I make voices and do stuff like that. And I was like, damn, I might be one of those like girls that seems kind of crazy. And someone has like an anecdote about me making like several. Like you got multiple personalities that come yeah. out through your voice. I'm like, do I seem like that? Because I didn't realize that I'd be doing you do that a lot shit. Of I really like- didn't. When you like image, uh, as they call it, imitate, yeah, slate, imitate yeah. white people. I do that too. When you like that, your imitate white people voice, you know, or imitate dude voice, like a fuckboy voice. Oh Those my are, like, god, the top it's two. so easy though. Um, so what else? Oh, I got a personal trainer. I bees in the gym. Oh, that was a voice. That was a voice, wasn't it? Um, so I got a personal trainer. That's been cool. I f- have way less energy than I did before because I'm working out now regularly too, which I think I have to figure that out. Like, I think I have to start taking protein powder or something because I just be sleepy now. Um, I think I've done like a lot of emotional work on myself, uh, still in therapy. I feel like 27 has just been like a huge year of growth for me. Um And it's because of all the growth that I've done emotionally, it's made me like excited to get older, which is weird. It's just been a lot of reflection and growth. Um, So, yeah, other than that, I'm still very single, um, still trying to fight the good fight. So, yeah, that's me. Um, I saw a quote online and I thought it was very powerful, which you guys probably heard this, but it was like in stillness we grow. And I just thought that was so important because the article was about how, you know, I'm not I don't have a new job. I didn't get married. I don't have kids. But like I still want to celebrate things. And like there's a celebration of being like still because in stillness, that's how you actually grow when you don't have all these things going on. And the other quote that I like is like life is what happens when you're too busy worrying about what life is kind of like when you're like not focused on like getting I thought it was life is what happens when you're too busy making other plans oh the one I have on my phone is life is what happens when when you're not worrying about anything else but basically the same thing like when you're not trying to like constantly get to the next level x y and z it's like the surprising things in life happen and that's actually what life is about so I just thought that was really important. But I will say in this update, last time we saw you guys was end of 
No, it was Juneteenth, and it's three months later, and a lot can happen in three months, as you will hear with all of us. So I think that's really awesome. Also, my parents are so loud, I can hear them through these goddamn headphones, but can you hear them? I can hear them. I can hear them, They just won't shut up. I'm not gonna edit that out. <laughs> is that their is that their is that their regular talking yes. voice? Because yeah, my family's <laughs> like that too. We all Old talk black like we're people deaf. Are loud. Well, you know what? My sister also tells me that I'm loud too. So I guess black people are just loud in general. It's I just think we like, just be can loud. you shut up? Like you see the recording sign. Anyway, Amari, you go. <laughs> okay. Um, well I too started a new job. Um exploring the advertising realm i'm learning a lot um it's been cool so far i started and finished a new lacrosse show with tari who does espn sound on with me and that one was draft off for athletes unlimited and that was a really cool experience because uh that was like our first experience kind of producing and writing on our own and i was doing all the editing very stressful but it was a nice experiment in like media and finally putting together all of my my undergrad skills and all these things um, in one setting. I uh, made it official with a man that I've been dealing with for a few years. If you guys heard me complaining about anyone on the podcast as so-called Oreos, it was probably him um, because we were that situationship for a long time. Hi, baby. I hope you're listening. Um and then yeah i mean also like outside of all the good things like this summer has been hard too um i've gone through a lot of family issues this summer health wise um you know just struggling to deal with the never-ending pandemic um and delta variant and delta chi and delta gamma and delta whatever whatever um but in between all of those uh stressors i have still managed to find a lot of happiness and things are happening for me so i am very grateful even though i feel like my voice is very monotone right now so you're probably like bitch don't sound grateful but i am (laughs) well thank you for that update (laughs) mari um yes let's go to kia's notes so you know i had a transformation in the summer i will say summer is my favorite season and i love it and i think great things happen in summer for one i got to travel um and i feel a little more comfortable even though delta is rising but i did get to go to miami and i got to go to rhode island and nashville and i had really great experiences in all three of those states so or cities i'm very excited about that and i just had a really great summer with my friends which I'm really happy about I'm still kind of adjusting to I feel like when I think about my life what my everyday life is it really does incorporate a lot of like commuting to New York City and doing stuff in the city after work so it's still it's actually still an adjustment for me even though it's been like a year and a half because that's that was so much that was like 50 60 percent of my life so i am still adjusting to that but i did get a new job last time you guys you know saw me i was unemployed but you know god is good and i was at my breaking point and i got a linkedin message and it changed my life no joke um and now i work in podcasting full-time thanks to so-called oreos which i still can't believe is real but i am now officially a supervising podcast producer which is like wild and i work at iHeartMedia, which is really cool and i love it so far and yeah i'm in a much better space i feel like mentally and emotionally i think there's still some things lingering but i'm trying to make some cutoffs 
so that doesn't linger trying to cut off some people and it's been really hard I didn't realize that I had really bad boundaries with men until the summer I think maybe Y'all. you guys said it Kian, said it <laughs> I was like I w- it was unexpected I because I feel it. Like, yeah it was unexpected because I feel like Kia is the first one to be like no, that's not okay, X, Y, and Z. And then she'd come back with these men and she'd be like so forgiving and just like give them a lot of grace. And it, I was not prepared for that. I, I don't was think like, I was prepared for either. I think until you said something, you know, when someone says something and then you just, you're like, okay, I gotta adjust that. Like, basically, I would say I'm really good with boundaries for anyone that's not romantic. So I'm really good with boundaries at work. I'm really good with boundaries at my family. I'm really good with boundaries with friends. And I'll be quick to cut any of those situations off. But I think there's something about that emotional trigger where I'm it's like, like this Kia is a new helping, level. I was so confused. I'm like, Kia been helping me set my boundaries over I this past year. It. And then this girl, I'm like, wait, what? Kia, you're just it's telling me not to cut him off. <laughs> in Kia's defense, though, in Kia's defense, though, women are really, really trained from a young age to make a whole lot of exceptions for romantic connections, specifically men. We are trained to do it our entire lives. We watch our moms do it and then we start dating and we do it. I, I, it is helpful. I have realized like, okay, there's things you need to cut off. I have a cutoff list. People are getting cut off and I'm, I'm making baby steps because there's things that I've said to people where I'm like, I wouldn't have said this three months ago, but I've said it to you and it takes a really big thing. I think it really sucks too. And I feel like the hardest part about growing up is knowing that like you, the way you feel about someone isn't the way they feel about you or like just because you would never do this to someone they that doesn't mean they would never do that to you and that's probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do growing up and it's still something now where I'm like I would never treat you like this but you would treat me like this like multiple times and it's it's a really weird dichotomy I guess that I'm still trying to navigate um but I am working on the boundaries and yeah that's that's Kia's updates I don't know if I should talk about Adesola's party or if we should cut it just like to talk about black people. Um, I, okay, actually, I'm just going to say it really quick. I'll okay. cut it down. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm trying to remember what I said last recording. But basically, I just wanted to say that I took... I won't give you the whole funny story. I'm sorry. We don't have that part. But basically, I brought Janae to this party for my friends going away. And it was a bunch of beautiful, black, educated, beautiful, again, people. And it made me really happy. And it was a space that was very rare. And because Adesola went to Harvard and she worked at Google and she's so amazing. But she's always been someone I, I admire because she always surrounds herself with, like, just amazing black people that I think it's like it's sad that we all don't get that so I just always admire her about that and she's always been good with friendships but I wanted to bring it up because I just thought that party was so amazing and that when I was in that party I felt like I need to step up my my wardrobe my hair my everything because black people are are like top tier and I just think it's funny when I go to like non-black spaces that I just feel like I'm the, the, the the prettiest one there to be like no shade but i do i feel like it so oh no i just want to say that it was a great party and definitely being there made me like oh i love black people i love being around black people i love being in all black spaces there's just like this beautiful sense of community one and like you said kia everyone there was gorgeous there was absolutely no question and it just made me 
just look around the room. There were just so many beautiful women that were tall too. I love tall women. And just looking around, I was like, ah, ah. I felt like I was getting shot in the heart because I was like, damn, this is us right here. And not only are we attractive, we're successful as hell. It was a really good experience. That is one thing I do very much miss about being in New York City, Brooklyn, was that it was just like, being in those spaces to me felt a lot more accessible, or at least I knew where to go to be in those spaces. Now being in um, the Triangle in North Carolina, I'm still trying to figure out where I can like replicate those spaces. Or like, I see groups of black people and I'm like, I don't want to be a creep, but like, let me hang out with you. Let me in. Honestly, Amari, I think you should go up to people because I think people actually really appreciate that. That's true. Not in a creepy way, but I think like people are always open to have friends. And I think we all know how hard it is to have friends as an adult to make new friends. But I think it's something we all like kind of like want to. I shouldn't speak for everyone, but I think it's cool. No, that's true. That's true. Test it out and let us know how it goes. Yes, I definitely have to take make more of an effort because I feel like I've made connections with a lot of like dope black people doing their things. But I'm just like. In, in general, I think just with the pandemic, like it does take a lot of energy for me to leave my apartment. And that's something like my dad and my mom are like, you should probably leave more before you become like, what's it called? Um, a person who's like afraid to go outside. There's a terminology for it. Not um, a by, recluse, but. Um, it's like some type of phobia. Like, it's, yeah. Well, yeah, oh you really God. don't be leaving the house somewhere? Like there are, well, also because like for, you know, when you're like just working and you're just so concentrated on your work and then the day goes by and you're like, I could go outside and get some sun or I could just go to sleep. It's really, it's really, um, bad. I feel like I wait until the weekends to go outside. Damn. (laughs) It's It's called agoraphobia. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's called agoraphobia. But I, I low-key have always, but I think also the thing is I've always been a homebody. So whereas other people, like, especially extroverted people, have, like, I feel like struggled throughout the pandemic. I'm like, oh, wait, you mean I can just chill at home in my space where no one has to bug me? Like, I love being in my space. So I think that's also a thing that plays into it. It's like, for the, my vitamin D and my health, I probably do need sun. But at the same time, I'm, like, I'm pretty content inside. <laughs> I will say something that I've noticed. I don't know if you guys had this feeling, and I know you guys went home for a short period of time during COVID, but I've been here, uh, I'm embarrassed to say how long, but it's been a long time. And I feel like I've kind of had to take back my like adaptive kind of like abilities to adapt here and like this mostly white country spot. And I feel like like one time I was out with my sister at a Mexican restaurant here and we were of course the only black people there and it dawned on me that I'm like now just so accustomed to being the only one that it it almost doesn't phase me like at all like even in like places that are super white like Nashville or like if I'll go to an event here or like when I was dating someone up here we would go to he was white we were going to really white spaces and I'm just like, oh, wow. I feel like I'm back into that, like, okay, you got to adapt. It's coming to the point where it's like, it's not even bothering me, even though I know it should. I don't know. It's, it's a little weird, but like, Ooh-wee. I don't know what to do because it's like, I can't let it bother me every time I leave the house. Like, you know? Of course. But it's like, oh, you know, that's a that's an issue. I don't know, because I've been here for so long outside of like the city in Jersey City and I only go back like here and there. 
But it's been something where I was like, damn, I feel like I'm almost like so used to it that it's like weird. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. that feeling. Probably but I not. feel like that's kind of like how I was in high school and like growing up when I was in that environment all the time. Like I didn't really realize it was off until like maybe I reached 17 and was like, oh, there's so many white people and there's like no one that looks like me. This is or I probably didn't. I didn't think about it so concretely because if I knew if I did, it would like I'd just be angry all the time. So I really think it's kind of just like a survival mechanism. Um, maybe and when you do get go back to Jersey City or um, you have more access to black spaces, it might be like the relief might be deeper because you've been away from it for so long. That's a good point. Wait, I have a, a random question to gauge things. Sorry if you guys hear sirens. Um when you guys walk into a room, do you get stared at? Like, if it's a room full of white people, do you it's, get stared at? Someone did this to me the other day, and it wasn't even like, uh, like you know when you try to peek at people and it's a little stare? Like, you try to be discreet about it? It's like, I've been getting a lot of up and downs. Like, I can follow your eyes and, like, see you taking me in. And yeah. that, that makes me very uncomfortable. I don't like that. I normally get stared at because I'm black and I'm six foot tall as a woman. So I'm, I get stared at a lot, but I do find that in white spaces, it's really like, and I wonder, is it because I'm tall or is it because I'm black or is it because both? I'm really not. (laughs) Yeah. The two together, the big Afro, because I, I think for me, it can be hard to inhabit white spaces and it has been my entire life. This is not just like a, you know, you live in a city now, so you're not used to it anymore. I had these feelings when I was young too, of being uncomfortable. I just got all over the discomfort quickly. But for me, it's always been like, I walk into a room of specifically white people and it's like, when I'm with black people, it's like a, but with white people, it's like a, like oh my god get over it i'm tall oh my god i'm black oh my god i felt that a lot it's like leave when me i alone. was in nashville actually um there are stories yeah. i don't need to go into the stories about nashville because that's a little, a little weird but um another time yeah another time maybe you guys if you sign up for patreon i'm kidding we're not giving you bonus episodes but <laughs> if you do you'll get stories like that um but i don't or know in our discord or in our discord, <laughs> discord yeah mm-hmm. or maybe really we can good. do an igtv for it because those were those i think those i think the, what happened to you in nashville is actually important to talk about i think it it's was really weird important because it was i told you guys the other story about when i went out in that other man said some stuff to me and I was like this is becoming a pattern I don't know why but um in Nashville I definitely felt like some more it, it felt like maybe because it's a really white area I felt and it's southern some too the south is, is different it is it did feel a little different not to the point where it was like that it was different but you bringing this up Janae makes me reflect the other on the other night I was going to um I went out with a few co-workers to a bar and I, again, I don't go out that much. So like seeing people in general, I'm like always like observing, but there was a very large group of like young professional um, Indian people. And I had just like never seen that large of a group in in Durham. And I and like part of me just like wanted to like leave my coworkers and go over and be like, hi guys. Cause also I have not seen that many like people in color, it, of color in general in one space in a while. Um, and I was like very much aware like, 
I was like, my eyes keep on moving to these people and I need them to stop. Because oh, I was acting Caucasian as hell. <laughs> I was like. <laughs> so, but I mean, but to me, it's it's like, and that's not a good excuse. I was about to say, it is, it's, it's staring in general is not good. I think when there's a large noticeable crowd, I think you might naturally just like look to the crowd. Of course. But when it's like one person in a room, like you're just like one black person, like one person of color walk in a room and like people just be like looking you up and down. That's weird. It's like when you're in history class and they mention slavery and the white folks are like, <laughs> a nigger. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, calm down. I'm, I wasn't in the slave trade. I can't. It's like they want you to speak for slavery. It's like, I don't I want know. You. You're the mayor of all things. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I'm going to toot the fuck out of my own horn. Beep, beep, <laughs> toot a toot. Um, I know that I am incredibly pretty. Like, I'm fucking gorgeous. And also, I really think I'd be lighting up rooms. Like, I think I'd be like the sun. You know what I mean? So I know that a lot of times when people are staring at me, it's like a genuine, like, oh my God, like, she's an Amazonian queen. Like, she should have been on the cast of Wonder Woman or something. Like, I know that's the feeling. People come up to me and compliment me all the time. It's not always negative. Oh, this needs to be a sound bite. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, guys, I'm a human. Do you see me? (laughs) I look like a goddess. I know. I'm aware. Like, what? But I'm a human and I've got skin and I'm delicate. And sometimes when I get stared at, I feel a little uncomfortable. So, I mean, it is an uncomfortable situation. It's uncomfortable as hell. I know people be like, she gorgeous, but damn, y'all, I don't, you know. I need to reframe my mindset to like, people are staring at you because you're gorgeous, not because you're the only person of melanin here. It's a great way to think about it. And I, this is not a reframing for me. This is a fact. It's factual information. She's She's come with, I'm pretty and that's a fact. My that's guy. A fact. <laughs> Period. That's a fact. Period. Like y'all will catch me slipping. I'm fucking I'm gorgeous. Cutting this into a reel because that was just perfect and it was it was everything. One last <laughs> thing. Every, everything for an intro. Thank you, Paris and Darren. Y'all made a beautiful ass <laughs> child. So y'all didn't quit. Today I on this mic, like this is her Emmy. <laughs> this is her Emmy acceptance speech. For giving me the height and the freckles and the beauty. I got a gap. You know, bitches is trying to like make a gap on TikTok trends now. First, they were trying to do fake freckles. Wait, 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 wait. Before that, they was trying to do lips. Who got thick, juicy lips naturally? Then freckles. Who got freckles naturally? The show is called Sufficiently Pretty now. (laughs) Sufficiently Pretty. Let's go. Wait. One last thing. So they got these TikTok filters that like are supposed to make you prettier or whatever, right? Bitch, I looked at the TikTok filter and I was like, this looks like my face. And I took a side by side screenshot. Legit, it didn't look different. It just like makes you your lips clumper, your cheeks rosier. I'm like, these are my facial features. But I'm done. I'm done. Well, now that you guys have heard that spiel from how pretty you can't see her on this podcast unless you go to youtube go to the youtube but uh you can you know hear it you know what i'm saying um so what we're gonna move a little dive to the segment you know i'm gonna keep us on track <laughs> we're gonna go to this week in black history
So, this week in Black History, September 24th, 1954, Patrick Kelly became the first and only American fashion designer admitted to the prestigious governing body for the French fashion industry. His designs were noted for their exuberance, humor, and references to pop culture and Black folklore. And then September 25th, 1974, Barbara W. Hancock became the first Black woman named a White House Fellow. Uh, I usually do a theme. I couldn't find a theme, but I thought it was ironic that I picked that, and then the Met Gala came. And then, you know, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't know when the Met Gala was, but, you know, look how the stars align. And that's it for this week in Black History. Yes. Okay, guys. So when we were doing so-called Oreos, my segment was black professionals we love. But for whatever reason, I feel like y'all weren't feeling it as much according to our survey questions and the data. So I changed it. And now this segment is called Things I Found on the Internet. Because if you know me, I'm on the Internet too much, particularly on Instagram. And I find a lot of interesting things. Um, Originally, for our first recording, I talked about Kiki Palmer. Shout out. She was at the Met Gala and was hilarious. But... In the t- in that span of time, something else interesting has happened. So I'm going to read a tweet that I found out that I reposted to our sufficiently black socials and got a lot of responses from. I thought it was interesting, and this is from Lil Uzi Hurt on Twitter, who said, "Reading my journals has made me realize how much of a scam it is to believe that your youth are the best years of your life. There's no way. I didn't even get hot until I was like 27. Kids, they sold you a lie. Life gets better with age." And I really I really connected with that cuz you could not pay me enough money to go back to my youth. I mean, like you could pay me enough money to go back to my youth with my family, but like dealing with it as a child like in in that environment, I'm good. I feel like 26 for real was when I like felt like something just like clicked off. I'm like, oh, I'm very comfortable in my skin. Like, I know my skill set. I know what I'm worth. Let me go in that direction. And um, so, yeah. And I, and people on on uh, Instagram seem to agree. Um, <laughs> I thought this was funny. And I'm pretty sure this is from. Yeah, this is from Janae's brother. He said, my beard refused to connect until I was 28. This is 100 percent facts. <laughs> it's true. Everything is good but the bills and like ups and downs and like health issues. My also, I turned 26 and my body also decided to like hate me. Um, yeah, I was going to say that for me. Listen, y'all just heard my entire rant. These feelings have always been here, but they didn't um, like come to the surface. Said, I've always been pretty. I can't relate. Honestly, truthfully, always been stunning, gorgeous. Did I have my hair bare time? Yes, but you're a better person when you have that rough state. But saying these feelings out loud, you know, I couldn't do that until I was 26, 27. It's true. You made a good point um, about like the rough stage. And I saw something else on Twitter because I'm always on Twitter. Y'all want to holler at me or sufficiently be okay that's me too um but it was something that said like i didn't have an ugly stage i was just a teen and i thought that was so let me see if i i'll go back into it but i thought that was so true because she was just like y'all are doing the comparisons uh the glow up stage but it really is y'all were just fucking growing up yeah and i was like that's so real but it does seem like these kids don't have like a puberty phase they're so consumed with like 
the fake nail. I don't know. It's a little sad. And maybe I sound like a boomer, but like when I see the kids growing up now, I see them with like fake nails, uh, like just a lot of makeup, just uh, they're trying to look older than they are. And it makes me a little sad because it's like, that's your youth and you just should be a child and you just don't even get to have a child because it's probably honestly because of Instagram, to be honest. And also too, like not only, I think particularly if you're, uh, a black person or a non-white person and you grew up in predominantly white spaces it's not that you went through an ugly phase people around you were just really racist and rude like pure facts like i feel like all of my pain <laughs> around my looks growing up as a kid were much rooted in anti-blackness like it was either it was either that- my lips or being too like too big which is definitely tied to anti-blackness it's my body shape mm-hmm. it's all that stuff your my hair, hair texture. texture. Like, someone told me my hair was, like, yeah. the, the texture of a homeless man they saw on the street. People are rude. That's Children rude. are rude. I don't know. Yeah. When you say it like that, I'm like, damn, that's true, too. Because I didn't really feel like I was pretty until college. And partially because my braces came off. Maybe that was one, too. But it was when I was finally in a place that was, like, more... Um, it was a lot more black people I started hanging out with. Well, I got the chance to hang out with black people more and like people of different ethnicities and I was getting compliments. And I, when I tell you my confidence like skyrocketed, I don't know if I told you guys this before, but I had my first kiss at 17 on this cruise that my parents got me for graduation. It was almost like an omen. It was like I finally left high school three days after graduation. I went on this three day cruise, had my first kiss and my confidence like shot up. It was like, oh, I left this town and someone thinks I'm pretty. And it was it was it was life changing. That's how I had my first kiss with the black man on a cruise. Wow. I'm gonna say I can't relate. Um <laughs> I was getting kissed at 12, you ugly bitches. (laughs) No, no, no. Actually, Kia, I also had my first kiss right after graduating um, high school. But I always felt really pretty when I was around black people because black people were always like, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, you're so pretty, you're so pretty. And then when I was around white people, they were always like, ew, 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 ew. So I always was like, hmm, maybe there's something to this. I think I just never explored it. Y'all, we've all been researchers our whole lives, just like tallying up stuff and taking the data. Yeah, I guess so. Just like mentally being like, hmm, I've noticed this. No surprise. Let's see if this continues in these X spaces. That was... That was such a pattern for me. Like, I would go into black spaces and I would feel like, (laughs) and then the moment I went into white spaces, I was like, oh, I'm ugly. So I don't feel like that now, but I do feel like now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I feel pretty, but maybe for the wrong reasons. So like, again, I went to a club and some things were said. And I think when I get that attention from like non-black people, it's, I don't know if it's necessarily the, the best I think it's like more so in a like a I want to try you out. Call or, call a spade a spade. They be fetishizing you. You're exotic. They're fetishizing not all the time. I would say not all the time, but like recently it's been happening. I don't know why, but a lot. Um, I don't know. So I don't feel ugly in white spaces. I just feel more so like a maybe a this fetish. isn't the energy. Yeah, this isn't the energy that I want. Cause it's not really a compliment. Or like even earlier when we were talking about how. Uh, 
that study where like when white people see non-white people on the sidewalk oh, they're like their brain God. doesn't light up because they see you as an object yeah. rather than a person and like maybe that's like for them yeah like, that's right that's a good point yeah i totally plan on like publishing that on my social media little little bit of background i was on tiktok saw this tiktok with this guy talking about he found a study that when um people see other people their brains light up when they see objects their brains don't really light up they dim as like that's an object not a person and he was saying that when white people see people of color their brains don't light up like they see people of color as objects and me and my sister always talk about it because we'll like be in the grocery store we'll be somewhere and white people won't move out of the way on the sidewalk they'll just keep on walking three people deep on the sidewalk we'll be in the grocery store and white people like will not get out of the way they'll just park in the middle of the goddamn um grocery store aisle and like not move they won't say excuse me and my sister always says that like we as people of color and especially black people are programmed to notice white people are programmed to bend and be considerate for white people and white people just don't do that they just don't have that we also get penalized significantly Mm -hmm. if we don't Mm -hmm. so yeah, I thought that was a really interesting study, but it's sadly not surprising because not. I always had a hard time thinking, like, how could someone see something like Trayvon Martin or the millions of people that got murdered? I don't, how someone can, like, you know, try to justify that? And it didn't click until, like, a year or two ago that, oh, they don't registize, they don't register black people as humans. They don't register black kids as human because to me, it's like, that's a kid. I would never do that to a kid of any race, but it's like, oh, they don't see you as that. And that's something obviously that we can never grasp, but like, it's, it's wild. But also like, like you said, like unsurprising too, because if you think about like, we were brought to this country as like a source of labor. And if you're like, like they didn't like, it's not, we're not from the moment we stepped into this country where we're not seen as people. So to then expect people like, so we have to bring people up to the level of seeing us as humans. And that's gonna be like hundreds of years of like getting that. We ain't gonna see it in our lifetimes, I'm sorry. I don't think so. But let's go to a more positive. <laughs> sorry, that was, that was a little dark for the first episode. Um, you know, we're, we're a little bit of funny, we're a little bit of comedy, we're a little bit of educational, we're a little bit of, you know, facts. Dark, uh, dark, dark. That's what, that's sufficiently black, okay? And some go- you got it all here, okay? What more can you ask for? God. Um, so our discussion is kind of similar to the first episode of So-Called Oreos, but we're kind of bringing it back to what makes you black what makes you sufficiently black and that's what the name is so this is a good starting point for the podcast so uh amari or janae what does it mean to be black blackity black well first i'm black you know so i tick that box off i said it right like (laughs) not only you know (laughs) i'm actually black no uh what's her name rachel dolzen dolzenoffs dolzenoffs here um um yeah and to me honestly like that's half of being enough the other half is just like i'm genuine i'm genuinely proud of and happy to be black and so you know to me, that's enough. <laughs> uh, I love myself. I genuinely love my people and just want to be the, around them as much as possible um, and just like have our collective success. You know, I, I want to see us um, as a community 
um, succeed and just get access to more spaces, access to generational wealth, like everything. So to me, that's enough. I don't know. I feel like that's a long-winded way of saying that's how I feel black enough. Literally, someone at the DMV told me, asked me a question, I answered, and she said, bitch, I didn't ask for your life story. Like, <laughs> you were talking too much. They different at the DMV. <laughs> <laughs> they another breed there. <laughs> um, I'll talk about what makes me black. It's an interesting thing um, because I think a lot of what makes someone black is first off, obviously their melanin. And then after that is a kind of, and this is going to sound bad, but like a shared trauma. I think all black people in this country know what it is to be black. And it's not always something that can necessarily be put into words. So I guess I would say it's a shared trauma, a shared sense of community, a shared sense of love and respect for one another. I think that's a good point because I think there's so many parts of being black where it's like, which I think our goal with this podcast is to kind of hit all those parts because I think there's parts of being black and being gay and black, which is different than a straight person being black. Or there's a different part where like mixed people, which I think have a really hard well I can't speak for them but it seems like there's always a conversation or debate about mixed people about like how black they are and like how do they identify and if their mom's black versus their dad being black and I think there's a lot of conversation there um that I hopefully we can discuss on this podcast with people who are mixed um there's you know different skin tones for being black there's different backgrounds like it's it's something that I feel like people try to put us in a box of being black, but there's so much to black people and we never get the opportunity to explore that or talk about that, which I think we really want to discuss on this podcast. But for me, like being black is one, of course, you're melanin. You can't just say I'm black and be transracial. That's not a thing, but you actually have to be of black descent. And at least, I don't know, because it's weird because it's like, if you're only 25% black, are you, do you identify as black? You know, it's kind of that weird thing but I guess that's another conversation but I think another thing about being black is embracing that because I think um if you're a black person it's like I'm not really black like are you really black you know kind of like that so I think it's like embracing kind of the good the bad and ugly because that's what it is to be black there's good parts there's really ugly parts and there's bad parts but there's also like rewarding parts too um and so I think if you're like embracing that and you're also like actively engaging in the culture slash giving back in the to the culture because I think that's a huge part um that black people need is like the giving back and like making sure it's just not individual but it's like the whole community and how does this look like for the community and I feel like we have to do that when we're at work like we represent all black people it sucks but like that's kind of what it means and I think like Janae said a shared trauma too because I think if someone looks white passing they don't have the same experience as people that look black in America and I think that's a huge difference because if you can go through your whole life being white passing I don't know if you really know what it's like to be black because that's a lot of being black is, is the experience so that's my answer on what does it mean to be black and I guess we can go into how has someone made you feel not black enough you know there are so many times that we could list this off <laughs> um I mean I think luckily that's happened to me less and less as I've become older but I think that's also because I care a lot less about what people have to say about my blackness I really could not give a damn um 
but growing up, I definitely noticed the pattern was people thinking I was less black because of the way I spoke or because they knew I was smart. And that just really, particularly the smartness that really bugged me because it's like from that, you're essentially saying black people aren't smart and that it's a rarity for us to be intelligent, which is just like, y'all know how resourceful and intelligent black people are and from the history like again slaves were given nothing when we came to this country and yet we were able to take that nothing and create so many different things our music our language like our personal language food um we had a juneteenth episode we were talking about uh, like soul food and like how that's rooted in like slavery and how that came about um so yeah the intelligence thing like really bugged me um at one particular instance this was in college I remember we were doing like some panel for a few of the uh like representatives for our area and afterwards this dude um this man I think he's still I think he's still a representative like came up to me and my parents because they just wanted to see because you know um they're just supporting me and he was just like wow your daughter is like so articulate and if you know anything about the word articulate it's a very big trigger for a lot of black people because it says like you expect us not to be well spoken and he said it in such a way that was like so surprising and I've never wanted to fight someone so much like so many people know I cannot stand this representative because of that moment um also like he's a republican and not doing that many great things so um but that just like I just it's and I think it's just like because I just know I grew up I've been like I grew up around so many smart hardworking intelligent black people and for like us not to get that credit is just unacceptable I can definitely agree with Amari when she said like it doesn't happen as much now or more so I'm just more confident in myself. So it's just like, I don't care what you, what you think, what you say, whatever. Um, but when I was younger, same thing. It was a lot about the way I spoke. It was a lot about the things that I was interested in, the music I listened to. Um, I think, and that was, you know, part of why we started so-called Oreos because all of us had shared experiences where we would experience this feeling around black people and around white people um, where you feel not black enough because on one side, black people are like, you like rock music? Uh. And then white people are like, twerk for me. And you're like, uh, you know. <laughs> That's so uh, accurate. <laughs> I look back on all, I look back on all the times that I was dancing for white folk and I cringe. Cringe, cringe, cringe. I think I can pinpoint the very, very last time where I was in a space with white people and they were like, yeah, booty pop. And I didn't do it. Okay, so I was at a party. I was at a party in lower Manhattan, lower east side. Um, And it was like with all of these friends from college. And there was just this white boy who kept on trying to touch my goddamn hair. He kept on trying to dance with me. And I was just like, what are you doing? I think I looked at him at one point. He's like, what are you doing? You know, I think that was like the very last time I was in a space where I was like, these Caucasians are active. Like they from the Caucasus Mountains tonight. Very last time I could pinpoint that. But anyway, you know not feeling black enough 
it's happened so much go listen to earlier episodes of so-called oreos yeah i think and we kind of discuss these parts um and the early episodes of so-called oreos but i think the music is a big one where it's like you listen to white people music and i listen to a lot of edm but if you know anything about edm it has black roots um and that type of so that was big growing up like all music actually let's be honest <laughs> like country yeah, music black roots i went roots. to the african-american like, museum of music um in nashville highly recommend but it was basically all parts of genres and how it went back to black people so highly recommend if you're in nashville um but yeah i think the music thing the comments of like that's white and i think a lot of it is from black people and i know it's joking from black people so i don't take offense to it as much but i'm kind of like okay we do need to refrain our mindset but it's like y'all listen to white music you eat i eat pumpkin pie y'all eat white people food like i paint my nails black y'all do white shit like you know that type of stuff where it's like okay calm down um but i think the the two main things is like where i'm from has always been a question where it's like people see my hat my hat my parents house or see that i'm from washington new jersey and no that's not a lot of black people in the hood but i think it's this obsession with struggle with black people where it's like you're not from the hood you didn't struggle you're not black and it's like why does that why does struggle have to be ingrained of being black like that's also like you don't know me kind of like that's kind of what i want to say to people like you don't know me like my parents have this house because they made a lot of sacrifices and like they made sacrifices and they're really good with money too so it's not that they make a lot it's that they're actually really good with money to say like, what are you gonna say amari i'm sorry yeah <laughs> I'm just laughing, not because it's not verbatim, but what you're saying is literally Jordan. From, oh, shut up! Uh, <laughs> it's literally, but it's I'm, Jordan not, from um, Sweet like, Life, and I'm not saying that I'm not privileged because that is a privilege. Jordan was on some weird shit. If you all watch Sweet Life, he was a weirdo, bro. He's a weirdo. Um, he was basically it's Issa Rae's reality show. He was basically saying. Yeah, he crossed too many lines. So the, the like the thing is like yeah, like he just didn't, he couldn't acknowledge that he came from a privileged position. But like even so, in coming from that privileged position, like he still did have certain struggles. Like he didn't grow up around his father, you know. Like his mom, like he had a single mom. She was making all these sacrifices. But yeah, he was. He, <laughs> yeah, he went and a I too can hard. say like I will say like okay, it does bother me when people like see, you know, the house and stuff. And they're like, he is rich. And it's like no. I'm not, but I can recognize, like, yes, there's a lot of privilege in being where I'm from. As much as the white people are annoying, there's a lot of privilege here, and I would be a completely different person if I if I was in my old school. I can acknowledge that. Um, but it does annoy me where it's like, if you didn't have this intense struggle, then you're not black, and that... I just hate that struggle yeah. has to be ingrained to blackness, which it doesn't, and that really bothers me as just, like, group. And it should also... It should also be, I feel like, um, like an aspiration. Like, I feel like we should be happy when we find, you know, oh, like y'all didn't need, you yeah. didn't have to go through that. Like, that doesn't have to be, I think like that's, asp- like that's, I think every generation, like that's kind of the aspiration for like that. And those that's kids kind that of what my parents that, did where like, it's like, okay, I was from like, maybe not so good parts of like North New Jersey, but I worked X amount of, so my kids don't have to. And I think that's something they take pride in where it's like, it seems like as a collective it's like no you just like it's almost like you have to be initiate initiated into like blackness and like being from the hood is one of them where i'm like nope let's stop that let's normalize black kids growing up without a lot of trauma or like having to sell drugs or and and that goes both ways too because i want to normalize kids not because there's a lot of trauma growing up with all white people 
And, you know, I want to normalize to take that not being another source of trauma too. Um, and I think the other thing is like skin color, of course, where people are constantly questioning like, what are you? And that's, that is getting to the point where I'm just like, God damn, I'm about to write a sticker that says I'm black on my forehead because it's, it's annoying. I feel like that question of like, what are you during a first conversation? It's just as rude as commenting on someone's size or asking about someone who you don't know, asking about their sexuality. Like, I feel like all of those things, first conversation should not like it's rude. I feel like those are just also things that, sh- like, eventually in getting to know people become you'll, you'll, naturally revealed. Yeah. They're naturally revealed to you. <laughs> and the blanks will be filled in. And I can't sit here and say that I've never seen someone who looked racially ambiguous and I wasn't like, hmm, I wonder what they is. I can't say I've never thought that, but I wait. Like, I wait. If I'm going to get to know you, I'm going to eventually find out if you just light-skinned or if you're mixed or, you know, like, I'm going to find that out eventually and just having several conversations with you anyway. Because I feel like like it's like a daily, almost like a daily fight where it's like, it's also... It's also annoying because people will be like, well, where are your parents from? Which is like just insulting because it's like, I've been here for like, what, how many generations? I'm an American. I've been here longer than... I don't know most people so it's just it's rude in that access like questioning where you know my lineage from and then it's just like a constant like are you mixed and like fetishizing the mixed person or like are you Spanish fetishizing that and when I tell you no it's almost like oh you're just a dirty black person like that's kind of like the reaction that I get and it's just like do y'all see how you come off <laughs> like that's what I want to ask people like I wish you could see it from my eyes because you look fucking crazy and like, one more note on that Kia, you look black. Janae always says that, but that's no, but no, me but and Janae think, look alike. No, but I think that's so funny, though, too, because I've never, since meeting you, Kia, have never thought that you were mixed. Never. I just thought you were that's black. But maybe it's also because, like, y'all be my mom's skin complexion. I know she black, too. So, like, I, I have context, but, like, I, that never came through me. I think if you know someone or you look, because Janae, you would probably get the same. I mean, we have the same hair texture. We have okay. the same skin color. Cheers. I, okay. So I was trying to think while you were talking, I was like, why? Because I used to get questions about if I was mis- mixed in my hometown, which is a smaller place. And then moving here, I don't really get questions about it anymore. But I think my features are a little bit bigger than yours, Kia. Your nose is, is smaller. So maybe that's where people get messed up. But I'm still kind of like, the nose and lips don't look white to me they don't and like your the hair, lips are still pretty i mean the hair is obvious you and i have the same great hair our hair is but also is but i do Amari's. but you also but also um like i do know people who are mixed and who i wouldn't i would just think are are black like i i that's feel like when too. they tell me like oh m- m- my mom's white i'm like for real i like, don't know that's the girl from atlanta Z- zazie's beats is that am i saying it right name wrong the one from atlanta that's I never I didn't watch the show. It's still on my watch oh, list. Oh, god damn it. She's on <laughs> Deadpool 2. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't watch yeah, Deadpool 2 either. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I, know you know, talking I, about. Didn't, I didn't know she was mixed until the show where she was talking about how she was half German, speaking German and shit. And I'm like, damn. I thought you were just black. <laughs> well, Kia, you look black as hell to me. But Thank I also you. I look wish black people... as hell to me, too. You look, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, I just want to say it's annoying. Just stop questioning where I'm yeah. from. God damn it. Um, anyway, next question. <laughs> um, okay, we want to talk about if someone has a non-black partner, does that have anything to say about their identity? We're messy here. 
it's tr- tricky. I'm gonna let yeah. someone who's not in a interracial relationship. Amari's in an interracial relationship. <laughs> oh, the whole bi- gonna get her. The whole She's gonna get you. Bi-racial. I've been called. I've been called a hypocrite before because I have had Why? some. But That's a whole other story. Yes, my son's a man of color, though. He, um, Does yeah, that make and it I, different, though. I think so. I. Th- I think it makes it different in different ways. Like, I think at least like I'm not, this is how I see it. Like in how we function together, or like how I would probably function in anything is that like, I'm still going to be black and do my things. And like, I'm not trying to water down my blackness to accommodate my partner or like accommodate the different settings that I'm going to be in. Um, and it's also not like, um, where I think in some, sometimes not for all, but like I grew up around a lot of young white women who were always like, I want a black man and I want to, you know, have mixed babies and all that, that stuff. Or like black men being like, I don't date black women. I want a white woman like straight up. And I think to me that says that you are uncomfortable with blackness and probably your blackness. If you as a black person just straight up being like, I don't want to be someone with someone who comes from like well i think you kind of answered the question actually because yeah. i would say like in terms of identity like i don't i don't think that if you have a non-black partner that makes you uh less black but i will say like the example amari gave if if a black person is saying oh i don't date black people or they're obsessive about their because we talked about this the last the pre-recording <laughs> about the unc guy that was like had the question was something and he just had about how he was the first black man he just brought up his white wife and like mixed kids and it was like that's weird i think when you do stuff like that it's just like okay you need to work on some internal shit because like that's that's weird as hell but i think like i i do hate the narrative where like and we see this from a lot of hoteps and stuff but like how serena williams is not black anymore because she's, she's married to a white man and like that narrative that kind of makes me annoyed for a lot of reasons especially when i actually only when I see it from black women because I'm just like y'all don't know how hard it is to be a black woman in America and just to want love it is statistically harder y'all we've done the research and we'll we have another episode coming up with a black matchmaker that'll read y'all asses exactly keep coming for us but I just want to say when it's a black woman I will say that as long as she's getting loved properly I don't care who it is I don't even care if it's from you know I don't, I don't even care, but I'm just like, I'm happy for you as long as it's right. As long as it's with the right person, you know, they're not like a fetishizer. Um, but with black, I just don't feel the same way. I don't. Yeah. I think like agreeing with Amari and Kia, nothing can take away your identity as a black person. I am frowning on you if you're that person who is like, if it ain't white, it ain't right. And you're fetishizing other races. Like I am, I am frowning frowning a lot at the end of the day love is love i do feel like personally i think i'm attracted to every race but i would prefer to date a person of color because at the end of the day i feel like we both could get lynched we go down south Damn, at the wrong time Mar- i mean that today, got serious today that got serious all the darkness to the- <laughs> seriously i'm sorry guys she's I'm coming sorry. in with a different level i'm sorry but i'm that's it's kind of how i feel well i guess and ask there's still different levels there's there's different levels too because i think if you're an asian person you have a closer proximity to whiteness and you do you do 100 percent. but somebody's still gonna call you a variation of a nigga maybe i don't know call you a variation 
I think there's. I think that's a lot of stuff. Maybe we should do another interracial yeah, dating that's episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot to to unpack. But relatively, if you are a black person, who you date does not take away from your identity at all. I just hope. I would just hope that you were dating that person because listen, we all have we all have soulmates. We all have partners, and sometimes yeah. your partners happen to be white. Sometimes <laughs> I'm just saying. Sometimes okay? it just drops into your lap, and that's sometimes, all you can do that's what it, and you'd be like god damn it why did you make my partner white but it, it happens i feel the same way at the age of 27 like i just said i would 100 i would prefer to date a black man but that's looking a little dicey right now so i would prefer to date a person of color but you know what sometimes that'd be looking dicey too so if it falls into my honestly lap, all men if this is a very <laughs> comment but all men be dicey <laughs> they all, all men be, be dicey. dicey and i'm just saying i saw a tweet and some girls like god wouldn't make my soulmate white or something i don't know it's really funny <laughs> but i'm just saying like if you're the type of person where you're like listen i've been there two weeks in i was like in love i don't know how it happened but that's that's how it happened and i'm like i'm too far deep like i gotta deal with this shit now but i'm just saying that sometimes it happens and if you if that's the situation that's okay but if you're one of those people that are like searching for your snow bunny and you got it in your hashtag in your instagram on www.snowbunnies.us that's that's weird that's, that's weird. weird that's weird that's all i'm gonna say that's weirdo okay? behavior it's weirdo behavior we don't we don't do that insufficiently black okay mm-hmm. keep that shit I don't know elsewhere. No, no fetishizing. No, 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 no. Um, last question of discussion: Should black people start gatekeeping our culture? And my quick answer is yes, but I'll let someone else go. Kia says yes, and I agree to some extent, but I also said this in our, our first recording, and I'll say it again now, is that gatekeeping also requires a lot of wealth and power, which historically black people have not had equal access to. So I think it's a little bit harder for us to get in positions where we can gatekeep it. Because a lot of the time, like, example, um, like I've been trying to get a book published for a while now. But if anyone knows anything about the publishing industry, it's very white. My book is very much centered on like blackness and stuff. And so in order to like, you know, get that out there, you have to go through all these like white gatekeepers, you know? They can gatekeep all these industries because they're they're leaders of it. So it's just, I just think it's I think it's harder for us. That I will say working in the TV industry that is very very much similar. Um and it's, it makes me a little sad. And I feel like that's that comment with Olivia Pope. You got to work twice as hard to get half as much. And I've been seeing that. And it is it is sad because, like, we can't really gatekeep anything. And I think when you do have these black people like an Issa Rae or X, Y, and Z, you know, a lot of times their managers are white getting that 10% because, you know, the, these are the managers with the uh, connections and they are profiting off of you. But, like, if you want to get, you know, I know Issa Rae's manager is Dave Becky. And I know he's a white man, but I know he's also like the biggest comedy manager in the entire comedy industry. He's one of the top five. And I know that she probably had to get him to, you know, get that meeting with HBO or X, Y, and Z. I think I'm saying my facts right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure. But my point is that like, it does suck where it's like, 
we can only gatekeep so much. And I think Issa Rae is a good example where she, you know, has her, you know, she has a talent agency now with, with black people and stuff like that. But how many times are we going to get an Issa Rae, you know, or how many black people are going to get the opportunity like Issa Rae? Well, the fact that it's like, she's like a number one reference, you know, like how many you can't get there. There's not usually multiples of, and that's why she's Issa Rae. Exactly. And that's why it's kind of crappy. Yeah. I I would also love to see a world where black people can unanimously make a decision together and stick to it. Um, So like on TikTok not too long ago where black creators were like, nah, we ain't doing no more dances because we don't get any credit. And then these skinny white women become the top influencers off of doing our dances. Um, So stuff like that. I would love to see more of when it comes to gatekeeping culture, just black people unanimously saying like, we're not going to create X, Y, and Z content because we're not getting the credit. I would love to see that. I would love to see it too, because I feel like when there's always like stuff, like even like, maybe this is different because it's inside the black community, but like Tory Lanez and like Meg Thee Stallion, like how divisive that was. Mm, and we yeah. saw that was because of gender, but yep. even things like Adele wearing the Bantu knots, mm-hmm. it was like black women, and specifically, I would say black. I saw a lot of mix between like Caribbean and African American people, which I was surprised. But it seemed like a lot of like African Americans were like, "Don't wear our hairstyle." Yeah. And then people were like, "Well, y'all aren't Caribbean." It was a lot of weird. It always seems like there's some type of disconnect where there's like, or even Kim Kardashian, like black women being like, "Stop!" And black men are just like, "How many black men have dated or procreated with a Kardashian?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's always seems to be some type of disconnect within our community where like you Janae I would like to see some type of collective like we're not going to do this or even like the NFL I think black people don't know how powerful their advertising dollar is but like honestly if black people like even left the NFL I know that's their career and I'm not saying like it's easy but I'm just saying even if they we removed ourselves from that or just stopped watching I think it would be more impactful than what we what we think it would be and I'm I'm not saying like that's easy I know that's not easy but I'm just saying like if we did come together I think it would be really magical should we move to the shits um so a friend of mine wrote in to say Before the pandemic, I was living in a two-bedroom apartment with a roommate I honestly didn't like much. She, so, sorry. So, once all the COVID stuff went down, I took the opportunity to temporarily move home. When she and I first started living together, we split buying larger items like the couch, TV, and rug. At the time, I felt comfortable doing so because she was a close family friend and we've known each other for years. But after living together for months, I realized she was actually not as cool as I originally thought. Uh, She could be inconsiderate and messy. As the pandemic pressed on, our lease expired and she decided to re-up the lease. I didn't. Our landlord cut her an amazing deal to stay and honestly, I saw that as my ticket to stop living with her. Because of the general uncertainty of 2020, I ended up leaving all of my stuff there, which she was totally okay with because she didn't need to rent the room out because of the deal our landlord gave her. I'm also very sure that she was cool with me keeping my stuff there because uh, when she'd have family and friends stay over, she'd let them use my bed. 
Now, the end of the lease is coming up again, and she's leaving the apartment to leave in student housing. I'm finally moving back into town to a new apartment. I fully planned on taking the TV, rug, and couch. However, my old roommate thinks I should pay her for half of those items that we split. So that would mean paying her hundreds of dollars for items we've had for over two years that she's gotten more use out of than I have. I don't want to pay her. My questions are, Am I tripping? And if not, how do I tell her no? What y'all think? I think you're halfway tripping. One, I feel like the biggest trip is you split with stuff with her in the first place. I hope this is a learning experience. Yeah. Moving forward, if you have another roommate, just be like, I'm going to buy the table. I'm going to buy the the chairs. I'm going to buy the TV. You buy X, Y, and Z. That way you Mm -hmm. know how to, you can just automatically take that. Um, But for this situation, I would say, Items depreciate over time. So like they're not going to be worth what y'all paid for. So I feel like if she, if y'all, I can't do math, but if you did the math and you found out what the value is now and then you pay half of that, I think that's more reasonable. But you guys both did contribute to um, these items. And yeah, like she might have gotten more use out of them, but at the same time, that wasn't like the initial like plan like y'all were supposed to like originally live together for a while but covid hit and then you you left and she got the items um but yeah i would say like it would be more reasonable to like discount them and then split it Mm -hmm. kia what are your thoughts um yeah i didn't realize like don't split things because i was like cheap and young and my best friend was like she actually was the one that was like we should not be splitting things like either buy it or don't i'm i'm very grateful for her one of the smartest people i know um so yeah i definitely think going forward don't do that um i can see why you don't want to pay her because you didn't use the shit you left during covid but again that was your choice and if covid didn't happen you would be there and you would be using it and COVID kind of just, like, messed up a lot of things. But, like, no one told you to leave. You chose to leave. You chose to not use the stuff. And I don't know. Homegirl's right. If she paid for half of it, she won't half that shit back. If you bought something with your partner and y'all split and the partner sold shit, you would want to be like, hey, give me half my shit of that profit. So I don't think she's crazy for wanting half her stuff back but it's just like dicey waters i don't know yeah to reiterate you done fucked up by splitting shit that's just on period um i think i'm kind of on the other end where if i lived with someone for two years and we split stuff for me it would just kind of be a wash of like all right i'll take this you take that like it's not that big of a deal um for me because it's probably not that expensive stuff it's money long gone I just don't care about that kind of stuff I really don't but I do think that if you guys need to come to some type of resolve the best thing would be to pay her a percentage not the entire amount because like Amari said these things depreciate after a while Um, but I do think a percentage would be fair so that's it for the shits uh, and uh, one one point. Oh, 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 uh, Honestly, oh, oh. roommates in general just be dicey. You roommates know, in general, be in dicey. general be dicey. Dicey, dicey. Speaking of someone who lives alone, and Amari also lives alone. Um, Kia, Kia will live alone because she's in a new tax bracket. Uh, Kia I'm in will. There. 
Yeah. Kia will soon. Don't Kia worry about her. Kia will be making our apartments look like. I know. Kia will so no. live in, in a waterfront condo. No. I can't afford. I already checked my finances. They be taking a lot for 401k and uh, health insurance. And it's not as That's high true. as I'd like it. Yeah. But, That's you know, she, she's working on it. And I hope when I do live alone that God be blessing me with some fine men. You know, that's Girl, all I'm asking for. That's I, all, God. I had a whole daydream when I finally got my own place that I would like have a cute neighbor, and that we would like run into each other in the mailroom or the hallway. Bitch, no. I, I already ran know into that my. I got a new um, neighbor, and her ass was huffing and puffing, going up the stairs just like I be huffing and puffing. And I was like, this is not a sexy young king. It's not. It's me and her together. Huffing my and friend, puffing. she lives on the waterfront in Williamsburg. So oh, that shows how you much she, does she pay? A disgusting amount. But oh. I, she's single. I was, yeah, and I be telling her, "Bitch, you better find a man in this building." And so when I went there, I tried to find a man in the building because I'm like, <laughs> "If you ain't going to, I'm going to." Okay, and I'm going there next week, and I'm, I'm still gonna try every time I go there because I know they got money there, and they be fine too. They be fine, in but I know they mostly though, white because they sound Caucasian. No, exactly, no, they, they are. No, no, no. I found one brown one. He was really fine, really fine. He she said there was one. <laughs> no, he I didn't a see a lot. I didn't see a lot. I don't know. And my other friend in Jersey City. I mean, they be gentrifiers, but they be fine and they got money. So I'm gonna say I'm on. I'm on the lookout. And and now because I just. I told myself I was getting my deadline of no dating, which I'm still doing, and I'm probably going to push it back. But every time that my friend dates someone, I'm just going to keep asking, do they have friends? And one time it did work out for me, but I'm going to keep doing that because I just feel like you got to help the community. Like we said, being black, help the community. I think I'm going to ask my trainer if he's got friends. You got to ask. I'm telling you, ask. I think so. They have friends. And because it's easier because they get like vetted. But I do. I have noticed a pattern of like me asking like you know, male people I know, like y'all got any friends, and they're like, I, I would never, them. and they're like, I would they're never useless. do that to you. Yeah, yeah, they're useless. Men are useless. I'm talking about well, your girlfriends. Yeah. Like, if they're dating a new person, I, my one friend, I'm plotting. She, I don't know, I don't know how it's gonna work out, but I told her when I meet him, I'm about to ask him, do we got friends? Okay, because we need to share the wealth, and 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 apps are too too uh, emotionally draining. So they are. Anyone listening? Y'all got a friend? Damn, I know one of y'all got a friend. Okay. <laughs> please, if he's over six foot, send him my way, please. At this point, I don't even care, man. He could be 5'8 and white as hell. Just figure it out. I tried to date someone who was 5'10 recently, and it was, like, fine. But, like... Oh, God. I think I can do better, so... Damn. Well... Oh, on that note... <laughs> okay guys well thanks for listening to this episode you can talk to us on social media at sufficiently blk you can email us at sufficiently black podcast at gmail.com with any questions or feedback and you can listen to us anywhere you get your podcast and don't forget to follow us so you don't miss any new episodes you can follow us on social but also follow us they change subscribe to follow. So that's that's why we're saying follow. So follow so you get those automatic updates with our episodes. Um, okay, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.